the gang's all here. It's it's Brian and Doug and Sammy. How how's it going, everybody? No no big news this week. No, it's been quiet and happy. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know I. The Warriors are good. The Giants are good. Uh, I don't follow the A's too closely, but I think they're good. So, yeah, everyone's in a good mood. Everyone's knees and fingers are intact and, and in no way injured. It's fantastic. Yeah. Shoulders, too. Everyone's got great shoulders. That's right. <laughs> Sturdy <laughs> pectorals. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's a nightmare. It's where <laughs> we're doomed. Uh, the, I don't know what excitement you could possibly have as a Giants fan going to the start of the season, regardless of what last season's record was. Like, if this was 2015, Giants have just won the World Series, Madison Bumgarner helped them do it, and you find out a week before the season starts, he's going to miss almost half the season, you're not excited about the start of the 2015 season. You're just not. Yeah, uh, I, I was just thinking it was wild that like it's only been four days or yeah four days and we had a little bit of optimism about this this season. <laughs> Man, wasn't no, that? No, I'm I'm feeling great about Derek Holland. <laughs> uh, Derek Holland's feeling great about Derek Holland per my mentions. <laughs> he, he is. He's got some good tweets going. That's right. Uh, I I gotta say it's it's pretty wild to have the McCovey Cron account because now seeing everything that Grant had to experience is, is just a different level of, of, Hmm, I have to be very mindful of how I respond and look at things. <laughs> and one of those quickly is when a player from the team that you're covering is responding, what do you do? No, I chose not to, but yeah. <laughs> so a big week for giants baseball, they lose Grant. They lose Jeff Samarja. They lose. They lose uh, Madison Bumgarner. Not uh, not overly fantastic. Uh, I guess I I don't want to dwell on it too much. It's it's pretty obvious that the Giants are well and truly screwed without their best pitcher, and really forty percent of the rotation just being gone for a month. You know, a minimum month, month and a half. Johnny Cueto had a great start against the A's yesterday. And I don't know. I, I don't care. <laughs> like it doesn't matter <laughs> that Johnny Cueto, I, I think he's got so much to come back from and I don't really hold it against him too much. If he has blister problems, that's, I don't really think that's his fault so much. So maybe, maybe a doctor will chime in and say, actually blisters are always the, that person's fault. It's a frame <laughs> of mind. Listeners are caused by low moral character. It's right. a medical fact. When your horse dies, your fingers blister. <laughs> Everyone knows that. So, do do any of you? Do either of you want to uh, review your predictions for the season? <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna channel my inner Joanne here, uh, our sometimes guest host Joanne. And try and find some, some a little bit of optimism or something to look forward to. And I think it'll be interesting, I feel like, this season for the first time, just as the situation is, is the first time we aren't seeing almost the same pitchers as we saw the year before for this last several years, you know. You know, it's been, you know, not the exact same group, but this is kind of a mostly a whole new group aside from Johnny Cueto. And, you know, 
sure you can say, oh, it's doom and gloom and they're all going to be terrible, but the season hasn't started yet. So you still have that little like glimmer of optimism. Like what if they end up being really good? Like just un, just unpredictably good. So I'm going to hold on to that as long as I can. So just the, um, just the excitement of newness. The newness and like they haven't screwed up yet. So there's reason to think that they won't, you know, because at this point, like you're reading interviews with Bochy saying that the bullpen's going to have to, you know, take on a lot of that weight from Bumgarner and Samarja being out. And it's like, oh, God, that sounds terrifying. So but it has nothing bad has happened yet. So I'm just holding on to that glimmer of like, what if it could be good? OK. Um, I, you know, I was on this podcast two weeks ago because I couldn't make it last weekend. I uh, I had written down my prediction beforehand, and I funny story I'd written down forty eight wins, and then I said eighty four wins. So I mean, really, I'm still very very right. <laughs> you intended to be correct up. then. Now you're just corrected. To yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> no, this is this is really bad. This rotation is, it you know it was shaky before. This is the thing. Um, they didn't really have depth. And now that lack of depth is just immediately the thing in the rotation. They have Johnny Cueto, who was bad last year. Hopefully he'll be good, but you don't know. You have Chris Stratton, who was really good in the rotation last year, but his minor league stats don't back up that that's what he's going to do this year. His, if you look at like his, uh, his FIP on Fangraph, that doesn't really back up that that's what he's going to do this year. Uh, you have Ty Block, who faded pretty badly down the stretch last year and was taken out of the rotation. You have Derek Holland, who was a disaster last year. Uh, and that's the rotation. And they don't even have the fifth guy for us to complain about who will have to make some starts. We don't know who that is yet. Um, it's really bad. Uh, another thing about Ty Block is he, most pitchers get penalized the third time through the order. He gets penalized the second time through the order. <laughs> <laughs> He his the just the batting average jumps up over a hundred points just one turn through the through the batting order. And you know, he's gonna probably be a five inning pitcher, maybe, maybe. And then now it's we're off to the races with the bullpen. And that as I've said the over the past two weeks, that's not good. That's very scary. I do not like the Giants bullpen almost at all almost to a guy. Uh so that, Do they have a long man in the in the bullpen at this point? It will probably be the Rule 5 guy. I mean, they, they have eight guys, so they don't need one long guy that yeah. much because they can, you know, have eight guys go one inning each or whatever, or, you know, an inning, you know every two game. innings. Yeah, every game. Uh, they're going to have eight guys. They're going to have the starter go one inning, and then each reliever is going to go one inning every game. <laughs> I think that's the plan. <laughs> It may not be the plan. It just might be what winds up happening. Right. Uh, I didn't properly set up the show. We're doing our NL West previews uh, this week. So today will be the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. We'll have Adam Peterson of Purple Row. And we'll have Jen Ramos of Giants and Baseball, the baseball industry. And they'll be covering them. And then uh, tomorrow we'll have... Eric Steven from True Blue LA, and we'll have someone from Gaslamp Ball, and I'll wait to do that introduction. And I guess I bring that up because that is to McCovey Chronicles readers uh, a mystery blog. We don't know too much about Gaslamp Ball. <laughs> Haven't had a lot of contact with them, so that will definitely come up in 
in that preview. So just to do that formally out of the way, the, I, the biggest news, I mean, we have to talk about it, Madison Bumgarner, of course. I mean, it's crazy to think that in consecutive seasons, he's had two injuries to his pitching arm, the whole arm, the, that side of his body. And he's basically missing half seasons. He's Steph Curry now where he's just he's playing half a season and is and is their elite level uh, uh, uh their 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 best player that can compete on any team against any team i i'm going to turn that to andrew baggerly's point that the giants are are now going to have lost they're losing 25% of their remaining control of his of his rights of his player rights because his contract's up at the end of next season and or the option, so the last year of his deal. And I I posed the question slightly in the article on the site, and that is, you know, if without Madison Bumgarner, the Giants are going to be bad. They're going to be worse than if they had him on the team. If, because of that, the first three months where he's out, they are 30 games back at the Dodgers, whatever it is, they're just terrible. You know, wh- does it not make sense to get as much of for him as they can as quickly as possible at some why, point. Why would they be able to get anything for him this year? Well, they wouldn't this year. But, I mean, if if he comes back uh, or when he comes back and he pitches, let's like let's say it's a repeat of last year. He misses half the season. He comes back. He pitches great. He pitches pretty well the last half of the season. Do they trade him in the offseason? That 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 seems like, uh, do, and then do you the give Giants that, that do the no, Giants? No, the no, Giants. The Giants well, this, this see how I just roped you into the other topic <laughs> I wanted to get to. The Giants made all these changes in the off season that could just be PR. They could just say, "See, we're trying things, so we're firing all the middle managers," which is what executives do to keep their jobs. Uh, Brian Sabian has come out of semi-retirement to manage things more to the day to day. They they swear they're more analytic minded and forward thinking. A team in their situation that is engaged in all that thought process and all that way of now managing an organization, that's absolutely something they'd be doing. You know, if the Dodgers were in their situation, I guess that's not the best example. The A's would probably be the best example. If the A's were in that situation where they'd have Madison Bumgarner for half a season and then knowing that they have him under an affordable contract for one full season, would they not try to get something for him in the offseason? They the would have tried to, tra- to trade Madison Bumgarner 800 times over the last three years. So they're not really the comp here. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a forward-looking team that's in the, in the toilet at least for the next – year or two that are trying to get better in a hurry. But on top of that, never mind the trading Madison Bumgarner, which sounds really stupid when I say it, but you know, it's, it's something to consider. But the other part is uh, Steve Duggars had such a great spring that that seems, it seems against everything they said they're trying to do to not include him on the roster. But now if they were to do that, he wouldn't even play very much. So I guess what I'm posing is I'm confused and my head hurts. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like he should make the roster? He's played extraordinarily well. He's exactly what they need. And we're going to get caught up in Hunter Pence shenanigans and giving him a shot and all this other stuff. And I don't think Duggar necessarily should be starting. And Austin Jackson hasn't done anything to like not warrant starting. But just for example, hear me out. Is this crazy? Austin Jackson, $5 million. Had a great spring. 
Is there not a trade partner? They probably can't even trade him. Actually, I take that back because they signed him. They yeah, have they to hold on for six months. Not allowed to. They've they've got to have. But I'm getting at is they've got to have something where they can make some sort of weird move to make. They're not going to get rid of Hunter Pence. I get that. So I guess my whole thing's out. But are the Giants going to do anything that's not a panic move, but would indicate more the line of thought of we're thinking more like the rest of the industry is, which is what they pledged they were going to do when the offseason began. Doesn't this seem like a good opportunity to do that? Not right now. They can't. The thing is, we're, this is kind of a premature conversation because they can't give up before the season. Even with the Bumgarner injury and Samaria's injury, they cannot just be like, well, we're done. Um, without, without, you know, shooting their shot. I mean, I know that that's what the, the Brian Murphy brand would do. <laughs> well, but, I'm, um, I'm going more like, I think Duggar is a, is a player worth having is, are they going to send him down and keep Gorky Hernandez, let's say, or, you know, Sam Dyson you know, was having a really wonky spring and I get now the necessity. Well, now we're without a starter. We need a solid reliever. But, you know, you release him, you've got $3.5 million suddenly that you didn't have before, and maybe you get a better starter than, than uh, I won't say Derek Holland, I don't want him adding me, but maybe <laughs> you get another starter for the rotation and, and your, your tie block insurance, etc. That's what I'm kind of getting at. I'm not necessarily suggesting the Giants need to punt the hell out of this season. I'm just saying the circumstances have changed rather drastically overnight. Does that mean that they still hold steady okay so i can i can get behind the last scenario that you brought up about get, going after another starter because like like doug said earlier it wasn't exactly a stable rotation to begin with and then now you're down two you're down um samarja for about a month at least and then bumgarner until june and everybody else is just kind of like other than Quato, just kind of like question mark even when we had you know, we had all of the starters there. That, that part, that end of the rotation was always going to be iffy, and now that is the rotation. So I can see them going after going after another starter. I guess that's what my bigger question is. Like, the circumstances have changed that it. I feel like it compels – it would compel most teams to, if not think about, actually take some measure. And I would say that the Giants have been – have made a lot of moves this offseason – to assuage our fears that they're that they're going to do something about last year. And I would say going into the season down two of your better starter, your best starter, and then, I mean, it's funny to think of Justin Samarja as one of their better starters. He's literally a league average pitcher, but he, you know, they have the confidence of him in him of being one of their better starters. I, I just don't think you suddenly stop doing what you've been doing. Because I, I think we, we're all in agreement that we're, we're pretty pleased with the moves the Giants have made this offseason. We, we acknowledge that they didn't go after, they didn't try to shore up the pitching and they chose to focus on the offense and they had to choose one or the other because of the luxury tax that they want to reset, which could affect how they approach next year in a positive way, let's say. But I would also say you now lost Madison Bumgarner. I, a drastic time. It's a drastic time. There yes. might be a drastic measure called for here. So, I guess that's that's why the question is. It sounds like we're in agreement, but there is a there is a very limited amount of moves they could make. They could release Sam Dyson, and there would be no moves they could make, and then they'd just be without Sam Dyson, which is both good and bad. So, 
I guess what I'm saying is uh, this is scary. <laughs> yeah, it is no, scary. <laughs> any of us really saw it getting to this point as of last week. Yeah, I mean, but, I thought I thought it would take like at least two weeks for me to think, <laughs> oh, this season's over. Um, <laughs> so they're they are a little ahead of schedule, I guess you could say that for the Giants. You, you'd think they'd wait until the season actually started, but you know. <laughs> Do you think Ty Block hits another double off of Clayton Kershaw? God, I hope I'm, so. We deserve that. I'm saying triple. Triple? I'm going to say a triple after Puig falls down. <laughs> so that's even more impressive, isn't? Isn't Ty Block a right-handed hitter? And... Yeah, no. He's well. He's going to be late on the fastball. He's going to hit it out to right field. Puig's going to dive and try, try to get it, and then he's he's not going to. And then he's going to get up and run after it, and then he's going to fall down. And since Ty Block's not really that fast, he's only going to get a third on it. <laughs> that's 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 what that's the call I'm making. That's the call. It'll be the Giants. So lone... That's right, a Buster Bosey triple. Exactly right. Um, I need to bring this up right now because it it's so great that it happened right before we recorded, or it happened before we recorded, not right before. Jared Parker has finally been designated for assignment. I'm not I, happy that. That is according to a tweet I read last night. When I go to the Giants transaction page, it has not officially come up. So that could just be a, you know, a technicality of timing of when they need to do X, Y, or Z. But he's been informed already that that's, that's the case. And I have to say, I can't believe it. <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, I, I think he will be a fantastic player in Korea. And I certainly have no <laughs> animosity towards him whatsoever. I just can't. Fa- he's still Hank in the roster. Say, yeah, didn't Hank say he has to play for Sacramento if he uh, clears waivers? He can accept uh, an assignment. He can accept it yeah, or not? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Um, I th- so I think that they haven't officially designated for him for assignment because they're still seeing yeah. if they can uh, trade him without yeah. doing it. But I mean, he's the the important thing is he's not going to make the roster and he will not be on the forty man at the start of the year, which is not too surprising given that he if he had hit two home runs in the last 10 days then then it would have been different but it's he had a really bad spring and it and it made it easier finally for them to forget about that week in 2015 uh which is crazy that they were still holding on to that uh but i guess what i'm getting at is see things can change with the giants uh jared parker (laughs) Again and again, when you have a guy like Duggar on the team who gives them a dimension, who's both one of their own players and a player they don't really have right now. I mean, Austin Jackson seems like he'd be just as dynamic. I'm just thinking Austin Jackson's older, and so maybe that's what colors it a little bit. Um, I, I think that the two of them are an interesting uh, addition to the roster. It's it's just sort of a different life that they didn't that the Giants haven't really had. And Jarrett Parker just seemed like a guy taking up a roster spot. And so now it's no longer the case. Um, uh, do you know him? Does anyone, either of you know him? And I'm offending a friend of yours. <laughs> no, no. Okay. No, I mean, even, even when you go to Sacramento games and interact with the players, he was never especially friendly. Hmm. Interesting. All right. And his Spoonerism, Parrot Charker, is pretty solid. I am going to miss that. (laughs) 
Uh, no Twitter questions this week. I had a game idea, and it's kind of dumb, but this is a dumb situation the Giants find themselves in. Uh, and I was thinking that maybe we could name the three pins in Madison Bumgarner's speaking finger that he got after uh, the surgery, or got for the surgery. And I don't know why we'd name them, but I also thought it'd be fun because thinking about the fact that Madison Bumgarner's not going to pitch for the Giants for almost half the season is sad. Makes me sad. <laughs> so three pins. I think we can come up with three names. We, I guess, I need to come up with. Does are we trying to like in character pick the names that Bumgarner would pick, or would some something else name them, or is this just not worth doing? Oh, that's <laughs> that's the game. Should we even do this? <laughs> the game is. Should we play the game? Yes. <laughs> uh, I think he should. I think he should name. I think they should be named. One of them has to be named Madison, <laughs> for sure, because that's he can't escape that name in his orbit. But uh, I, I, I was thinking that they would be named uh, Nelson Cruz, Miguel Cabrera, and Sal Perez. <laughs> the final <laughs> outs. The final outs. Yeah. I, I think we have a winner. Okay. All right, Doug. Coming back. God. Sorry, sorry. That, that, was, that was a quick game, huh? That was it. That's over. <laughs> I mean, I, the only other option is like tractor, wood axe, and some other bumgarner thing. But I think I think we got it. <laughs> wood axe. Wood axe. <laughs> Can I just say how uh, I won't say upsetting, but just annoying it is that it was a uh, against the Royals that he got injured. Uh, that's a great point. I think that is actually sneak, uh, a sneaky, annoying part of this that we don't talk about enough. That hasn't been talked about enough. <laughs> and it was against a guy I used to play against in, in uh, you know, not minor leagues, in little league. Yeah, and I, yeah I, when they were yeah. kids. That's not as annoying. It's just that's just the weird coincidence part. But it's annoying that it happened against the Royals for sure. I, think you know, I mean, there's kind of the sense that um, since the story was like Bumgarner hit him with a pitch when they were like 11, I'm like, man, that's a lot of interest to come do today. Right. <laughs> I think it was a, I think it was Joanne. It might have been somebody else on Twitter that brought up the Strickland thing. I was like, wow, Strickland's been one-upped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we said we wouldn't mention that name. <laughs> We have, Sorry, I, have I know failed. Eyes go I have red. failed so much. Yeah. Uh, just, since we've already brought up Hunter Strickland, I would just like to point out for the record that Hunter Strickland bans search on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pause for just a moment. Just want to let you guys both know that the gas lamp ball dude, his name is Roy, has asked to push to 630. So if either of you need to bail, that's totally fine. Just letting you know. So Okay. Um, Are we going to do the A's thing? Yes. Now we got to talk about the A's thing. And I also want to get back into that schedule for the first month because the Giants play the Dodgers a crazy amount of times uh, in the first month. And we can go over that a little bit. Uh, But yeah, we'll talk about the A's thing. All right. Ready? Four, three, two, one. Maybe the biggest thing to happen this weekend, in addition to the Bumgarner news, like it, it's strange that anything could rise to that level, but maybe it's just my stupid brain where that's the case, is that the A's fired another weird passive-aggressive shot 
across the bow uh, at the Giants by making a public statement that they were going to charge Giants fans uh, extra money to park at OCO Coliseum. And I I guess we're giving, we're feeding their trolling and coming off as the bad people here. But I I think it, what was the thing last week that we were talking about, Sammy? I can't, it was something stupid. Hat exchange. <laughs> Which they'd done, I think, for at least at least if not two seasons ago, last season on, uh, where they were allowing Giants fans to turn in their Giants hats and get A's hats, which is just stupid. I don't get it, Doug. What are they doing? What what are the what are the A's Doug? Why right are they now? doing this? <laughs> Look, I I'm someone I you would think that I would kind of appreciate this because. There is no emotion that's funnier to me than pettiness. <laughs> pettiness is the best emotion if you're looking for, for humor. And I just, I look at this, I, I just see passive aggressive little brother syndrome. And I see a team that like, they know they're not try, they're not going to try and they want to blame the Giants. And I guess I should actually explain what they're doing, which is they put out that statement and, ugh. Yeah, you I know, I... it's just, it's just not right. It's not how you do that. And the thing is, is like if you live in the Bay Area or if you know the Bay Area at all and you're take and you're driving to the Oakland Call or Oco, then I, I don't know what's wrong with you when there's a BART station like right there. And BART really had the best comeback and they're like, uh, I think we've got a solution for this. <laughs> <laughs> to me that was the greatest part of that's the best part of that Coliseum is that the part drive drops you off right in front of the thing and it's Real simple, real convenient. Uh, I, it's interesting walk that you say... Go ahead, Doug. No, you just walk over the bridge to get there from Bart. I mean, who would ever go to that parking lot anyway? I've parked in that parking lot before, and I've I've just... I wasn't even driving, and I didn't pay, and I was kind of sitting in the car like, I regret this. <laughs> I would rather have personally paid this, you know, $4 to take Bart. Uh, you had mentioned little brother syndrome, but... Like I was saying last week, Sammy, I've always seen, like growing up, the A's were the pinnacle and were not shy about constantly reminding Giants fans of, you guys suck and have accomplished nothing. We've revolutionized the game and you suck and you play in a dumpy coliseum and nobody likes you. And (laughs) you have Will Clark and Kevin Mitchell and we have all of these other players. And you're just a, a pale imitation of us. So, Doug, I see them as grandpa's uh twilighting (laughs) or sundowning i guess is actually probably the appropriate term but grandpa's losing it that's what it seems like because it's not it's not younger brother it's it's older brother but this seems even pettier beyond petty beyond what an older brother would do i would argue that on on doug's side because they do have their the goal is to get a younger team to go into another successful run they're just not. They haven't gotten there because they keep trading everyone away. Oh, but so I see that. They've, yeah. they've transitioned from being the grandpa phase back into being the younger brother, trying to go in a, at another run of being successful. Right. Like as as a younger brother myself, I can assure you, I've blamed <laughs> my brother many times for things that I did myself, like <laughs> things that were my fault, and I was like, no, he did it. So that is a hundred percent what the A's are doing, and that seems to be their organizational philosophy. <laughs> Doug, why are you mad at me for not having any friends? You traded all of your friends in a fit of peak to get younger friends. And now those the friends aren't working out. So. <laughs> the giants! The giants! 
so I don't expect this to be the last we we hear from the A's this year. <laughs> Regarding the Giants. And especially if the Giants are bad, it will be interesting to see if the A's step, step on the uh, gas there to do whatever. It's also, it's sort of like... This is somewhat political, I guess. It's also like when presidents start wars to distract from their domestic scandal going on. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, the A's lost out on their their stadium situation has slid back to being a mess and they're kind of spinning their wheels. And also they're being uh, challenged or a grievance has been filed against them for pocketing revenue sharing money and they have like a $79 million payroll and <laughs> they they keep trading all their young players, but this year it's going to stick. And it's a good distraction from their colluding green and gold asses to say, look at what those this garbage team on the other side that can't win anymore <laughs> is doing. <laughs> That's what it feels like at another level. It's like... Uh, Things aren't working out for the old A's, so they've got to dump on the Giants, who are already dumping on themselves plenty. <laughs> <laughs> by, by the way, who do we uh, who do we think they're going to end up trading Matt Chapman to? I'm saying Cubs. Cubs? Do you? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I like that Oakland Chicago corridor. I, I feel like they're going to open up a different corridor somewhere in there. Just to I mean, keep I it guess interesting. Phillies are possible. I think. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Point is, they're definitely uh, yeah. trade Matt Chapman. Right. right. Uh, but it might be interesting if somehow the Reds come into it. I don't know. They could go big and try to get, like, Vado and uh, Castillo. That'd be interesting. They could actually pull off a deal like that. But then that's them spending more money, so who knows? Yeah, that's all. Uh, but you're you're asking, they're gonna who are they going to trade their league minimum guys for for, for single-A and double-A prospects? <laughs> right. Cleveland. Cleveland might be a team. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess uh, I want to get this out of the way now instead of dealing with it uh, next week. By the way, a little housekeeping note. The next Croncast will come out uh, after the first full week of the season. The Giants open up in Los Angeles on Thursday. It's right around the corner. And then, in case you didn't know, over the course of the next 33 days, the Giants will play the Dodgers uh, 32 more days, nine more times. Giants will play the Dodgers ten times in uh, to April first. That's insane. That is <laughs> really poor I, I don't want. What's that? That in really poor timing now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Suboptimal timing for sure. Uh, the 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 Dodgers and the Giants have never played each other that many times in the first month of the season. The Giants have never played, at least as they've been the San Francisco Giants, have never played a team that many times in that span of time to open a season. The closest they've come is eight a couple of times. I know I'm repeating an article stuff. You can just read it on the site. But, you know, <laughs> and somehow it, we still close the season with them as well, don't we? Yes, which is fine. I, it's just I'm already going to get burnt out of the Dodgers. I mean, I'm kind of already sick of hearing about them. And knowing that the Giants were always going to be 10 games worse than them going into the season, and now you're going to play 10 games against them in the first month, just as a reminder, you know, and face Clayton Kershaw three times in 33 days. That's annoying. It's just annoying. You know, missing 40% of the normal rotation, of course. 
Right, but even if they were at full strength, there was, you know, the Giants were going to win two of those games tops. So right, but now we're robbed work. of all of the Madison yes. Bumgarner uh, home runs <laughs> against right. Clayton Kershaw. Right. <laughs> uh, so knowing that, because maybe we all weren't super aware of that, uh, the, actually just looking ahead at the April schedule, it's, it, the season is not fun because of what's happened, but looking at the schedule, it makes it, it – I'm not happy. <laughs> I should be happy that baseball is back, and I really have to pivot to who are the Giants playing, and am I happy with the players that will be they will be facing off against? That's the only joy I can see out of it. They open with the Dodgers, then they play two against the Mariners, which is like boring town. That's just boring. <laughs> uh, am I excited to see Ichiro? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think Felix Hernandez is hurt, so he's probably not even playing that pitching that series. Uh, Nelson Cruz, eh, Robinson Cano, eh. you got the Dodgers again, then you've got the Diamondbacks, and then you've got the Padres. By the way, after all that, it's the Padres for four games. <laughs> Isn't it always is, Padres for four games? That's what it feels like anyway. That's, I just don't want to face them four times in the first month of the season. I'm already sad. So I'm already <laughs> depressed. Then back to the Diamondbacks, and then they come to Los Angeles to face the Angels in Anaheim. So, uh, and then the Nationals, and then the Dodgers again, and then the Padres. And that is a sad opening month because it's a combination of the most boring-ass teams you could think of, the Padres and the Mariners. And then in between that, you've got teams that just bash the Giants' heads in. So... It's it feels kind of like an inverse of the game Peter Venkman is playing or the test experiment he's running at the beginning of Ghostbusters where he gives the electric shocks to people under the study of I'm I'm testing the effects of negative reinforcement on ESP <laughs> and it's sort of like I'm testing the effects of boring and disastrously bad baseball on fans that's what it feels like. Well, because, you, you go ahead. in a positive way as well in that you're getting, yes, it is probably the, the roughest month of the schedule, I would say, but you're also getting it out of the way first. You know, obviously it's going to suck because, you know, we're, well, everything we've discussed, but, you know, we could be having that towards the end of the season as well. And that, and, you know, say that this, yeah, I know it's a stretch, but say they were in contention and have that come and just, you know, bash us upside the head. So, um, I don't know. I mean, there's the other bright side is they don't have to go to Colorado that month. So, you know, sure. There's some positives. Uh, I like Mike Trout. Mike Trout. (laughs) Uh, A reminder again, because I feel this bears repeating for a while. This is Mike Trout's age 26 season. I should have teased that better and asked you both how old you thought Mike Trout was. Because (laughs) I, I thought it was like 28. Which still would put him in the, he's going to be extra, you know, he's in his prime. And now I look, and then when I saw he was 28-6, I'm like, he hasn't even entered it. (laughs) (laughs) That's not fair. (laughs) Uh, So Mike Trout's amazing, and the Giants are going to get to face him. And right after that series, Bryce Harper's in town. So So lock Gunter Strickland away. (laughs) (laughs) Could be a preview of... Hunter Strickland's already already kind of done that, and I think he knows he can't really hit Harper again. So I think you just throw him up there every single at bat Harper has. 
and that he'll give up, you know, nine homers. <laughs> Just don't, we don't want to win, is what we're saying. I'm saying that's what Hunter Strickland deserves. Okay. By that, okay, Sammy, by that time in the season, if the Giants haven't won a game yet, I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to get, uh, that actually makes me think, because Hunter Strickland's having a, a, a good spring, a solid spring, and he's been very much a solid player until, this is what I've noticed about Hunter Strickland, he's a solid pitcher and he does well until some article or spotlight in a broadcast or some mention of, hey, Hunter Strickland has been pitching pretty well. As soon as that happens, his next like string of like six or eight appearances are just blown saves and, and just laboring. And then he has to like recalibrate his season. That's what I've noticed last few years with him. <laughs> yeah, no, so basically... was, uh, in, in 2015, it was my fault. I wrote an article about how well he was doing. And literally that day, he gave up like three runs. And then I tweeted about it, uh, and then he blocked me on Twitter because he vanity searches on Twitter. Right. And, so you have um, to yeah. put the spaces in between each letter, <laughs> and then they can't search for it. <laughs> it's the, uh, the master move. The other part of that, though, in terms of spring performances being what they are, but this is definitely one worth talking about. Josh Osich has a zero ERA in 10 games. Yeah, I said that last week, and you said you didn't want yeah. to talk about it because he was going to blow up. But I want to talk about it because I, I noticed the article about how he's gone back to an old delivery. So you said it, and you're right to spotlight it, but I was also not aware that there was like a change in how he was doing it. And watching him against the A's yesterday, I kind of noticed that he looks like a, a more polished pitcher. I, Josh Osich seemed to be more of a... I don't know, there seemed to be like a a looseness to his delivery and this one seemed a little tighter but i also am now now you may talk about it sam <laughs> <laughs> so did you just want to spotlight it or was there something specific that you wanted to mention about it well no i mean we i did i did list the stats last week and it's continued on and um was it last night he gotten uh, you know I, i'm not going to reference the game because i can't remember which game it was but he got into some trouble and he got out of it and so I don't know. He's looked good, and it's spring, so I'm not going to get you know too overexcited about it. But yeah, um, that was that was noticeable for me because he's struggled in the last few seasons. Absolutely. I mean, he's been essentially uh, okay and then unwatchable, and and I I think anything the Giants can get from any of their bullpen that's not uh, Stephen Okert, for example, like level of performance, it, they're going to need it. They're going to need solid guys all the way around. I don't know. Uh, we keep saying, oh, when Will Smith comes back. But I guess, really, there's no guarantee that when Will Smith comes back, he's going to be good right away or at all. Uh, it's just, you know, they know they have a talented player on the periphery who might be coming back. And I would say Josh Osich being able to bounce back from those shaky seasons, you know, last couple of years and have a, a great spring is is encouraging, right? Because if a yeah. player falls down, you you want to see that he can pick himself back up and do well. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it, better well, for giant players to do well than not do well, is what I think. It's groundbreaking. <laughs> groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. Uh, I think, you know what we should do real quick? We should have uh, our our picks to click for the first week of the season. That would be fun. 
You All don't right. agree. Yeah, but I, I think Sammy, we should do Sammy, that. you go first. Yes. Wait a minute. Wait, I haven't been a part of this before, so I... I oh, it's just who do you think is going to do... Who do you think is going to do well? Oh, and okay. Who, who do you got? Who... who... Um, against the Dodgers, so not Brandon Bell. Dodgers, <laughs> Mariners, Dodgers. That That's the... Oh, right, right. Because we're not going to be... Okay, so, well, yeah. mostly the Dodgers. Uh, come back to me. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, all right, for my pick to click, then I'm gonna say Joe Panic. Okay, why? Lead off the leadoff hitter, Joe Panic. <laughs> I think he's going to be the leadoff hitter, and he's going to uh, be a stable presence up there. I'm sure he's gonna have 0 for fours, especially if he's leading off against Kershaw. Which now, as soon as I'm saying that, I'm realizing he's not, and I'm getting pre upset about it. <laughs> But let's assume he is. I would say that 0 for 4 is going to – he's going to see, you know, 16 pitches. Or it's not going to all be against Kershaw. But he's going to see 16 pitches. And that's that's fine. But he's going to he's gonna be a leadoff hitter and he's going to be exactly what I think he's going to be. So I, I think he's going to do well. But if he, in order for me to win this, though, he's got to have more hits than the other people that you pick. <laughs> so all right. if – if he only has four hits in, in the whole week, then I've lost for sure, depending <laughs> on who you guys pick. Unless one of you picks Hunter, Hunter Pence. So. Oh, no, I'm, I'm picking Hunter Pence. And here's Hunter why. Pence? <laughs> here's why. I think that it's going to be the false great start that means the Giants start him for two months. I think he's going he's gonna to have, you know, a lot of hits. In, let's say it's how many? Seven games? Eight games? Are we covering yep. here? Uh, he's going to yeah. have like 10 or 11 hits and people are like, Oh, Hunter Pence, he's back. And then he's going to be after that, he's going to spend the next two months being exactly who he was all of last year. And the giants are still going to play, play him every day. So I so think he's, he's going, okay. going to do well, but it will hurt the team in the long term. He's going to do well enough to keep Duggar down and then Duggar gets hurt. And then they're not able to bring him up when Pence gets, gets hurt. Right. Okay. Got it. Sammy? Okay, so screw you both. I'm going with uh, Buster Posey. That's such an obvious pick. Okay, yeah, exactly. fine. Fine, you want to win. I got Buster it. You want to win. <laughs> you want to win. You want to make right. it more difficult for you, Brian. <laughs> Buster Posey uh, hit the ball so hard to the opposite, to right center field uh, at, during the A's game yesterday that I... I know he does it a lot, but what I guess was I hadn't seen it in a while, and it made me very happy. I don't need Buster Posey to hit home runs. I just need him hitting the ball really hard and making it weird for other people. And so here, here's why the pick is important, because it's going to be he's going to have a week of, hey, I'm still here, guys. You don't have to completely panic. <laughs> That's right. No, I mean, it's, it's a good pick because it's, uh, before, it's the first half of the year when Buster Posey's going to hit like home runs instead of the second half of the year when he'll just hit singles. All right. Joining us from Gaslamp Ball is Roy Thomason. Roy, uh, thank you for being here. I don't know anything about Gaslamp Ball except it's on SB Nation and it's supposed to cover the Padres. But in the entire time I've been on there, I don't know anything about it. Tell us what it's like to be at Gaslamp Ball. What's that community like? We've got a really good group of people at Gaslamp Ball. We've got um, you know a, a handful of very active uh, fun writers 
Um, and then a, a big community of people that post on our comment boards. And that's really what makes it, what makes it fun and, and interesting. Um, so we have a couple people that, that try to keep up with transactions and injury news. And I'm one of those guys. I, I also try to keep an eye on what's going on in the minor leagues, which is exciting right now because there's so much going on uh, with all the acquisitions that the organizations made the last couple of years. Um, and then we get a couple of people that write a little bit more off the cuff, um, you know, fun things, trivia, uh, quizzes that kind of stuff um and then we have a couple people that tend to dig more into the the business workings and the pr side of the padres relation with the community excellent oh very cool uh be sure i mean it's going to be an interesting season for both our teams so i'm sure there will be some cross blog interactions that should be interesting um but tell us about these 2018 san diego padres because there's probably a good chance that no one else on this podcast knows any player from the team except for Will Myers. <laughs> well, you might know Eric Hosmer. He's the newest addition. They just signed him to a, uh, an eight-year contract. Well, it's five years with a three-year option at the end. Um, so he's the big off-season acquisition. They also brought Chase Headley back in a trade with the Yankees. Um, it's been uncertain how long Chase Headley's going to stay around. Uh, there's been talk that they were going to try to flip him in a trade, but he's our starting center uh, third baseman uh, for the foreseeable future. We also have a good core of young guys. We've got Austin Hedges behind the plate, who's already one of the best defensive catchers in the game. Um, and he's got some pop in his bat. He's de developing as an offensive player. Uh, Hunter Renfro looks like he's going to be our starting right fielder. He's got huge power and a cannon arm. He's working on some contact issues. Uh, Manny Margot is our center fielder, fantastic defender, uh, good contact hitter. Uh, Jose Perella and Will Myers are, are going to be uh, in the mix for the outfield positions. Will Myers, obviously, our all-star uh, in 2016. Um, and then around the infield, you've got Jose, uh, I'm sorry, Carlos Asuaje starting at second base. Uh, lefty hitter, good contact hitter, a little bit of power. Um, right now, there's a competition between him and Corey Spangenberg for that job. Um, they're both left-handed hitters. Spangenberg has a little more pop, a little bit less contact. Um, and then at shortstop, they brought Freddie Galvis over from the Philadelphia Phillies this year. So for the first time in a decade, we've got a qualified shortstop. Um, and then the pitching staff, Brad Hand, they signed to an extension. He was an all-star last year. Uh, he's our closer. Um, pretty solid bullpen. The rotation is a work in progress. Um, so the pitching is going to be the, the weaker side of the Padres this year, but we've got a lot of really good young position players that should be developing pretty strongly this year. It's so weird to hear that, given the Giants don't usually have a, a field of young players, but uh, I would say that all the names you mentioned sound kind of familiar from last year now, now that you mention it. Uh, but I wanted to actually ask you about Andy Green the manager, uh, what's what's the review after one after the season? I haven't heard a single bad thing about Andy Green. Really, everybody that talks to him, um, he's a very engaging, uh, motivating kind of a character. Um, he's he's a good leader. He's a good game manager. So when you look at his moves, how he brings players in, moves them around, the defensive positioning, um, you know, he's, he's very good at the X's and O's, but really what he's tried to instill within this organization is a philosophy. Um, similar to you hear about the Cardinal way, the Yankee way, that as soon as a player comes along, they know there's a way that they need to, uh, to perform, to prepare themselves, and also how to act when they're off the field. 
and they're trying to establish that with this group of young guys, um, bringing in guys like Hosmer, Chase Headley, um, Clayton Richard, one of our starting pitchers. Um, they're supposed to help lead that movement from within. Uh, but the the review overall has been nothing but positive. So they signed. So we're looking forward to him leading our team long into the future. Do you like uh, his the moves he tends to make in game that doesn't bother you? I mean, that's basically us fans, right? We fans we always criticize the manager's moves. But Andy Green doesn't really move the needle in terms of your anger of in game <laughs> moves. I've, you know, since he's a first time manager, I was expecting to have some issues, you know, either he would leave starters in too long or he'd have a short hook, um, you know, maybe pulling hitters or using hitters in, in situations where it might not make sense. But really, overall, I've been very happy with his moves. And we're coming from Bud Black, who Bud Black would tend to leave a pitcher, a starting pitcher in too long. He would let them hang himself. Um, and you look up and you've got four runs on the board and the guy is finally walking out to pull the pitcher with Andy. He's got a little bit quicker trigger on that, that as soon as somebody's starting to show some trouble, uh, he'll get in there and he'll, he'll bring in a reliever and he tends to play the matchups pretty well. He doesn't just look at lefty righty. He looks at other things like pitchers that work up in the zone, pictures that tend to you know, have breaking balls or high spin fastballs versus the hitters that struggle with those types of profiles. He looks a little bit deeper into the analytics and the data that they have um, to try to, to pick their matchups and set a lineup. He does a very good job of it. Okay, I have to ask you a really important question. Does Do Padres fans also think that the names of most of the players on their favorite team sound like lacrosse players or country club members? <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Um, I'm not too familiar with lacrosse, but uh, I, we've got a lot of Latin players, and I don't see a whole lot of Latin uh, people around the around, around country clubs. Um, you know, I, well, I, I you guess named I, you named three guys: Eric Hosmer, Will Myers, and Chase Headley. Which all of those guys sound like they're if they're not on a lacrosse team, they're in, on a crew team, or. <laughs> They they are very preppy sounding guys. So that was that's what I was true, wondering. But, you it's know, a running joke. It's a running Madison joke Bumgarner on the kind of a name like that too. <laughs> Matt Kane would also fall into that too. But uh, Andy Green, that sounds for sure like he's he's coaching. You know, he's coaching the crew team there. Uh, I, I was just maybe wondering the, if you guys the had a similar then of the of the crew. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I was just wondering if Padres fans had a similar uh, if they had looked at it that way, but I guess not. It sounds like a no. Uh, I see today or yesterday that the uh, I'm going to get his name wrong and I apologize. Denelson Lemay, uh, yeah, one of the that. starting pitchers, Lemet is mm. uh, ex- reporting some forearm discomfort, some elbow discomfort. And uh, apparently everyone had been raving about him all spring in terms of his fastball and the movement on his pitches. He's only 25. Uh, what were you expecting of him in the offseason? And now what are you thinking about this recent development? Well, I'm, I'm actually uh, on the road right now. We were at spring training, and I was at the game when he, he hurt his elbow earlier today. Um, and it's, it's a shame. Last year he had a really good season. Uh, he has – he has a fastball with some late life and he has a wipeout slider. Uh, the trouble, the struggle that he had last year was working, working against good lefties and then also getting through the rotation a third time. So this year he's been mixing his pitches inside and outside better. 
which has made him more effective against lefties. And he has also added a curveball to his repertoire um, that has shown pretty strong in spring. So it looked like the weaknesses that he had were going to go away and he was going to take that next step this year. Uh, we haven't heard any real news on, on the injury. We, he came out in the, I think it was the second inning. He'd thrown a couple of pitches that he pulled far off the, off the plate. Uh, one wound up letting a run score. And then Freddie Galvis came in to talk to him and he waved the trainers in and he was out just like that. And we saw later that there was some form of elbow discomfort. Don't know exactly what that means, but usually that's the first sign that there's a problem with that ulnar collateral ligament um, leading to a long rehab, often including surgery. So we're just hoping the best for him because he, it was looking like he was going to wind up being the ace of our rotation this season. So, I guess, does it change uh, the calculus too much in your mind uh, about what your expectations were for the season? Or is, is it a dramatic change? Or basically, what are you guys thinking about the Padres this year? How, how are they expected to do in your minds? Really, it's a, it's a developmental year. You can't look at the Padres roster right now and look and think that you have a potential contender. So really what this season is about, just like the last year or two, have been about developing players – um, you know, establishing a rapport within your organization and that kind of thing. So when you lose a player, maybe you'll lose a few wins, but it's it's not going to knock us out of contention because I don't think we were there to begin with. Um, but really, when you're losing one of your key pieces, a, a main pitcher like that, that does hurt a lot. To me, a, 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 a best-case scenario would have been a 500 season. I would have been very, very happy with that, and that's still very possible. Um and also, A.J. Prellers, our, our general manager, you never know what he's going to do. He might already be on the phone trying to come up with something to, to patch the rotation. There are free agents out there. There are trade targets out there. So you never know what's going to happen. Unfortunately, the Giants, we have nothing to offer in terms of pitching right now. So it can't yeah. get anything from us. Yeah. I was actually at the game on, what was that, Friday when, uh, when Bumgarner yes. took that pitch and wound up breaking his hand. So maybe I'm maybe I'm the cursed one. I watched the pitchers go down this weekend. Uh, where were you uh, with JFK and uh, the? the... <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, was a shimmer in my daddy's eye at the time. <laughs> so, I guess the last question that I always ask everyone, Sammy and Doug, please, if you have questions, go for it. But I, if you don't, I'm going to ask this question right now. Uh, do you think you? the Padres are going to finish better, higher than the Giants again this year? <laughs> Ooh. You know, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. I say yes. There's a chance to get some off-season moves, but now you got a couple pitchers on the shelf. Uh, Padres are scrappy. Yeah, we're going to we're going to take you guys down. Wow. No, we're going to take ourselves down. But you're just yeah. going to take us. you can't beat us. We beat ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I my the question I always ask is, how is your team going to beat the Giants' heads in? Well, actually, what, what, what I, I is think it's more like, like we're going to beat it into the ground because we have a whole bunch of ground ball pitchers on our staff and the infield um, defense has been upgraded significantly. Clayton Richard and Luis Perdomo are two of the highest ground ball rate pitchers in the game. Uh, they've got several other guys on the staff that have a similar profile. Uh, bringing in Freddie Galvis, um, that, that improves the middle infield in a large way. Carlos Oswahe is a very solid defender. Chase Headley's an upgrade at third base. Eric Hosmer should be an upgrade at, at first base. So um, ground ball heavy pitchers and solid infield defense, and you guys aren't going get to it, get it to the outfield grass. 
Well, they wouldn't be able to do that for the most part anyway, but that's a good point. I was just looking at Evan Longoria's ground ball or double play totals, and he's Buster Posey-esque, so that'll be fun rally killing going on there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Roy, thanks so much for coming on. It's nice to meet someone from uh, Gaslamp Ball, so have a great season. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And, hey, I hope you guys good luck. We want everybody to do well. It's just at the end of the year, I want to be a game ahead of you guys. <laughs> You'll probably be many games for now. <laughs> Thanks, Roy. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you. Joining us to talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks is is our own Jen Mack Ramos. Can we claim you, Jen? Uh, you know, as part of the, the team, the Giants team? I mean – I've written more about the Giants than the Diamondbacks in my entire life. I don't think I've actually ever written about the Diamondbacks. I'm just very aware because I go to Visalia Rawhide games from time to time. This this is great because I'm fairly certain none of us know anything about the Visalia Rawhides and very little about the actual uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, except that they were a playoff team last year and they uh, decided to punt on J.D. Martinez uh, and bring him back. And Zach Greinke is having a wonky spring, but why should none of that matter and the Giants should be very afraid of them in 2018? Well, despite, you know, J.D. Martinez going to Boston, they, and well, you know, they did lose Chris Sayonetta too, going to the Rockies. Um, they still have a lineup that includes, you know, AJ Pollock, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Jake Lamb, you know, Alex Avila. It's just, and they have the depth, essentially. And while their catching situation is Jeff Mathis and John Ryan Murphy, um, you know they they no are, relation no relation. No, just, yeah. I mean, they're very much aware that <laughs> they are not really looking for someone who can hit behind the plate, and have talked about how they really have Jeff Mathis because he can frame pitches and works well with Zach Greinke, and they have a strong rotation. And I think that's that's their thing. They've got a good rotation. They've got Patrick Corbin, Robbie Ray, Zach Greinke, Tywin Walker, and Zach Godley. Um, if anything, their strength goes into that, plus a strong bullpen that has Archie Bradley. Um, I don't think they're a complete team yet, especially with losing J.D. Martinez in the offseason. But just because they have reliable pitching and reliable pitching in the minor leagues too with John Duplantier, you know, they're, they're going to be kind of scary for next couple of years. Yeah. I would say going from 93 wins, you know, starting at from that point and still keeping that core going into this season that, yeah, that's going to happen is, is Bradley. Do you see Bradley possibly being, um, a multi-inning closer or just because he was sort of used in that multi-inning role last year, if I'm not mistaken, which I often am, yeah. but who knows? <laughs> yeah, he was, he was used in that situation from time to time, but, you know, definitely more of a, you know, mostly a four out guy, five out guy sometimes. Um, and 
you know, one of the things that I just keep thinking back on is that that really well wild wild card game. Um, you know, he definitely showed that you know he he can pitch, but sometimes he'll make mistakes, but still kind of keep the team in the game. Um, you know, if if there are mistakes that happen. And I don't necessarily see him being a multi-inning closer, but the Diamondbacks are also not afraid to put the closer in a situation that's not, you know, not the ninth inning, not a close, a safe situation. I, I think that's been sort of the surprise of them. It was how quickly their organization turned into being a forward-looking one rather than eat a bucket of glass Everything's going to be Kirk Gibson's gimpy leg. Excuse me. It's going to be Kirk Gibson's bum leg. And it's going to be it just grit out everything that they've sort of turned it around and embraced the idea of not analytics, but just the idea of like, how can we approach the game differently and uh, and and attack in that in that manner? You know, David Peralta was sort of. I guess viewed as more of a line drive hitter. And now I was seeing that he might be a leadoff guy. So, and as you're saying, you know, being willing to use Bradley in, in different roles, I think even trading for JD Martinez is sort of a, a sort of a bigger deal of making sort of the killer move because they have the players to kind of give up is, is that something that you notice a change in, in the minor leagues, you know, you watch them a lot uh, you see any sort of difference there? Or do you just think the Diamondbacks were responding to a couple of years ago, or is is there anything to it other than no? They're just they want to win, <laughs> and they so they just found whatever helped them win. <laughs> yeah, I think there's definitely been a difference in organizational approach over the last few years. Um, you know, recently I'd say in the last two two years specifically. Um, just noticed that a lot of it has been placed into making a lot of the organizational depth available to play other positions and making sure that, you know, if, if one player is going to be blocked somewhere that they have that flexibility. And I've been seeing a lot in NL West organizations with the Rockies doing something similar and having some middle infielders, if they're a shortstop, making sure that they can play second as well and have that versatility. And I think that's something that they're kind of instilling in players as well, not just being able like a fly ball hitter, but also trying to learn how to hit more ground balls, more line drives, just making them more versatile at the plate, on the field, on the mound. And I think it's been been used to their advantage. I would say so. They've <laughs> they turned it around real fast, and they have some real interesting players, and they feel like a team that, if not quite the Dodgers level, but simply oh, they're bringing this guy up, and he's able to you know he comes in and he's able to hang with them. I I don't think it's a surprise from the Diamondbacks of years past so much of just oh damn it, it's another team that the Giants have to catch up to. Uh, <laughs> Reason. Yeah, I think if <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> I think if anything, like it's more surprising how quickly they turned it around. Like it wasn't going to be a surprise that they would turn it around. Just with just like being able to get to ninety three wins last year after such a bad losing record, I think that was the more surprising thing than anything else. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, do you think this is more of a long term turnaround, or is it going to be like twenty eleven when they kind of 
stormed from out of nowhere to win the division and they collapsed back in the mediocrity for the next few years. I think one of the things that makes this team have a little bit of a bigger window is that they've been stockpiling depth in the minor leagues. Um, and while they have traded away, you know, traded away some guys, I think there's a possibility that they don't have the depth they think they do. Um, I mean, obviously they have a couple guys who will make it into the major leagues, who will be interesting, but it's not, say, Cubs-level depth when they were rebuilding. Um, So I think they're going to have a smaller window than they think they would. I don't think they're necessarily going to collapse the way they did in 2011 after winning the division that year and then not really making it in the next year. I think they're going to have a shot this year just because of the way that both their starting rotation and their bullpen is. And I think they still might have some pieces to trade in the middle of the season, but it's not necessarily something that's going to be like a five-year window of contention. It might be more like a two, three-year window. I'd take that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So bottom line it for us, how are they, how are they going to kill the giants this year? Is it going to be power or pitching or both? It's going to be pitching. Well, actually, it could be power, too, especially with, you know, Goldschmidt, Lamb, Peralta. Okay, yeah, they're basically going to kill the Giants completely, and I'm going to be completely sad about it. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Filipino food. <laughs> if, if you are okay with that. Yes. Okay. So I, I would like, do you know of anywhere in Los Angeles that I need to go? If you don't, it's yeah. okay. But if there, you I do, know, I want to know. I know many places. A lot of them are in Eagle Rock. Okay. That's not that far away. That's all right. <laughs> um, there's a mall in Eagle Rock, specifically with a lot of Filipino restaurants. So um, there is that. And then also in, in historic Filipino town, there's been a lot more popping up there. And all of them are good. So All right. Yeah, the reason why I bring that up is because I, I think you should plug this. You're going to be writing about Filipino food. Yeah, this is kind of stemming from actually the Giants. Um, writing about Tim Lincecum and his Filipino heritage and how I connected to that and why I'm such a big Tim Lincecum and Giants fan and kind of exploring Filipino food a little bit more and finding identity through that. And like food is such a big part of that culture and just looking at the different indigenous things that makes Filipino food, Filipino food. So wanted to write about that, write recipes and go to different restaurants and review them and also talk about the history behind that. And I would like to thank Tim Lincecum for bringing me to this project via, you know, just by existing. So (laughs) we all owe him just, uh, Dead of things. For a lot of for, things. Yeah, for, for him, yeah. his existence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so can people follow you and uh, see your your uh, writing come about and the expansion yeah. of this idea? How, how can they follow you on social media? Yeah, um, they can follow me on Twitter, at Jen Mac Ramos. Um, I have a link in my bio for anyone who wants to throw a little cash my way to make this website happen. Um, otherwise, you know, just... 
follow. I'll be posting links to recipes, restaurants, history, things like that. This is great. Uh, it's fantastic. And see, it's tied to the Giants even better. So this is very <laughs> on brand for all of us. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, Jen, thanks so much for coming in and, and telling us that, that it's all doom against the Diamondbacks. The Giants did play them <laughs> a bunch in the first month of the season. Uh, and we will. I, I will definitely be trying to rope you back in to come back on in, during the season to talk about, well, anything. That's the beauty of having Jen on the show. She can, or Jen, they can talk about anything that they want. So it's great. <laughs> uh, I know too much about baseball. I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good thing. Sammy, do you have any uh, thing, question? No. All right. No. Jen, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I say all you this year. <laughs> <laughs> That will never die. <laughs> and I'm glad it don't. Joining us now is Adam Peterson from Purple Row on SB Nation, the Colorado Rockies blog. Um, Adam, it's so great to have you back. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks. Doing all right, Brian. Thanks for, thanks for having me back again. Yeah. Well, you, out of all the previews we did last year, you basically nailed it. And I don't know if you even knew that you were going to nail it that well, that well, but anyone uh, who went back and listened, and I certainly did, it you there was no smugness. The, this was not. I think this is what it's going to be. You just literally threw out the names of all the players who helped the Rockies tremendously. So what I want to do right now is give you a moment to just gloat, just a stage, to just you nailed it, probably more than yeah. anybody in baseball last year. So <laughs> take a bow. Well. <laughs> I will say, first of all, that when it comes to baseball predictions, everyone knows that anytime you get a little bit smug, you're playing with fire and you will get burned. But uh, at the same time, you know, when you uh, toil in relative of relative obscurity like the Rockies have for the past few years, it's easy to sneak up on people like that. So uh, I'll chalk most of it up to that. But uh, I'm still still feel pretty good about it. You've had a full season of Bud Black now, and uh, I didn't know that he was even going to be the manager last year, <laughs> as as famously recall. And so after after one full season, especially with these young pitchers, but really just beyond that, uh, what's the scorecard from your perspective? Yeah, so Bud Black has been the number one thing we've talked about this spring training. Uh, believe it or not, just because. I mean, there's a few reasons for that, but one is we are we are thrilled with the way that he handled the young pitching staff. We felt like coming in, his experience with handling pitching staff and handling bullpens was one of his calling cards in San Diego, and he, he definitely showed that uh, with us. I there's no doubt in my mind that you know some of those uh, mound visits where Bud Black walked out to talk to one of our rookie pitchers and then came back out. Uh, into the dugout, leaving the pitcher out, man, that kind of stuff speaks volumes both to the pitcher, but also to the fan, to everyone involved. And so we were thrilled with that. On the flip side, though, <laughs> if if I may, it's not all lollipops and candy canes because, you know, he he's developing this propensity to kind of stick with these veterans uh, over and above when some younger players should should be given a shot. You know, last year, Carlos Gonzalez was just struggling for the first four months of the season. Um, and even though Ray Tapia had kind of demonstrated when he had been given a longer stretch to be able to perform, uh, you know, he, he 
still didn't get that long of a leash. And it looks like he's going to be falling into that again this year now that uh, Cargo has been re-signed and Desmond is fully healthy. So even though Ryan McMahon and David Dahl have uh, looked good this spring and in Dahl's case has looked really good in his small sample of major league service time, you know, we're going to be running out Desmond, Para, Cargo, and uh, yeah, those three guys are going to be taking up the two outfield positions in first base, which is pretty disappointing and makes us a little nervous thinking about what this offense is going to do. Do you think that the front office might be willing to make some harder choices in season, cutting guys necessarily, if if it's pretty clear that Black's going to stick with a guy who's not performing when they have better options? On a scale from one to Billy Bean and Art Howe in the movie Moneyball, I give it a solid three. Okay. Uh, you know, I, uh, I do think that Bud Black has kind of convinced the uh, higher-ups to say, hey, that this is the way that I think we should go, and that the higher-ups are willing to kind of defer his experience to a certain extent. But I don't see them you know, kind of taking his toys away from him unless it just gets so bad that everyone is just like, this is going to be like, it would have to get really bad for it to get to that point. Well, the Rockies made it to the wild card game last season in case people forgot, which is fine. Cause I kind of did. And then as soon as I saw it, I remembered Archie Bradley hitting a, hitting a, a triple, I believe was like a big play in that yeah, game. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. Well, I guess <clears throat> the Rockies made it to the wild card game, which was again, Back to your prediction, uh, it wasn't so much a prediction, but saying that if these things go well with the strengths that they have, they could be in line for something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I th- also think part of the conversation we had was sort of these things in baseball tend to happen more quickly than than the plan is. And the plan was maybe two years from now. So this season that the Rockies were going to make some noise and that just wound up, wound up happening last season. I think the takeaway from the from the wildcard game to me was simply that they had a lot of guys gaining experience. I don't know if that's your takeaway or not, but you know the Rockies were essentially playing a game at Coors Field in Arizona, and they can win games. They can win those types of games uh, on the road or like or in Colorado. I, I just think it's it was experience more than anything. But I, I'm happy to be wrong. Or you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess what I'm getting at yeah. is they have a lot of young players, a lot. And so even though you're mentioning the veterans, we're talking about Ian Desmond, Carlos Gonzalez, and and maybe Chris Sionetta, maybe? And and then yeah. Blackman, I would say, is a veteran, but he's he's also, if not the best hitter on the team, he's right behind Arenado. They've got DJ LeMahieu, who uh, if he only played the Giants every year, would be the greatest hitter in the history of baseball, all leagues, all time. Um, you know, they they Wade Davis is the back of the bullpen. The bullpen is solid. The the I think I remember vaguely reading the Rockies have committed like uh, over a hundred million dollars to the bullpen uh, in this off season. Oh, or, or go ahead, <laughs> past two off seasons. Past combined, two off seasons. Yeah, come on, that's a, yeah. So they they've armed up. Uh, John Gray was the the big name that you mentioned last year. You can tell I listened to this last year is very recently. <laughs> but John Gray was the guy you mentioned, and Tyler Anderson. But to me, the name all season that stuck out to me was Kyle Freeland. He was the big mm-hmm. guy. Um, and 
Chad Bettis is coming back from uh, from chemotherapy, and and he's probably going to be a, a big guy in the rotation this year uh, as a as a reliable guy. But I really went down the list. You know, John Grace is going to be twenty six. It's just, it's going to be his third full season. Uh, Anderson's mm-hmm. twenty eight. This would be his third full season. Uh, Herman Marquez, which is the guy, one of the guys you spoke uh, talked up last year, who I kind of, yep. I feel like kind of at least from the Giants standpoint flew under the radar. I don't remember him beating their brains in quite as much as Freeland and then Anthony Senzatella. But Marquez twenty three. This will be his second full season. Bettis has played in parts of five, but this would technically, if he makes if he goes the whole season, this will only be his third full season. Freeland. It, yeah. His second, he'll be 25. Bettis is still 29. Uh, Hoffman is uh, 20-something. And Sensatello is 23. These guys are all under 30. Uh, and they're playing either their second or third full season. Uh, that's got to be exciting. Also, the fact that the Rockies just have so much depth at the starting position. What I'm getting at is, Adam, how, in how many different ways are the Rockies going to kill the Giants this year? <laughs> uh approximately 27 i guess all uh, right i don't know my uh my takeaway from the wild card game last year is that baseball is stupid because <laughs> what well, is that yes because <laughs> archie bradley hit a freaking go-ahead triple uh in the eighth inning like though it was a crazy game it was a fun game but it was one of those games that you hate to be on the losing side of but i think you're right the the experience matters especially for the pitching staff now internally like speaking for rockies fans of a certain persuasion, I guess, you know, a lot of us are just kind of nervous. We're like, can they do it again? You know, like, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, Antonio Senzatella looks like he's bound for the bullpen. Um, Marquez and uh, Freeland uh, will slot in right behind Anderson and Gray in the, in the rotation. Bettis is back. Hoffman is going to start the day, year on the DL. Um, we also have young guys like uh, Ian C. Almonte and uh, Ryan Castellani and uh, uh, Howard. And I totally blank out his first name. It's not Ryan Howard. Uh, <laughs> a different Howard. But we, we, there's depth there. You're right. And But when you're talking about young pitching, the question is always like, whose arm's going to blow out? Who's going to forget how to throw strikes? Who's going to get homeritis? You know? And uh, so it's kind of this weird kind of apprehension. It's... It, it's it's like you're getting ready for your second date, you know, like, oh, man, that first date went really well. But what if this one just sucks? Uh, well, the, so. all that money they committed to the bullpen, that there's your experience, right? Wade Davis, Mike Dunn, Brian Shaw, Adam Adovino, Jake McGee, Chris Rusin, who's been on the Rockies for, what, three or four years already now? Like right. even if you yeah. just go that deep, these guys have been around, and they're they're all pretty solid. I'm a huge Brian Shaw fan because I think his slider is amazing, but I also am yeah. sort of thinking <laughs> he throws 96. I think I'm also thinking like that slider is going to die in Coors Field. I don't know that that was the best move. <laughs> well, see, so I was a big fan of the Brian Shaw signing. Like it, the team made it apparent that they were going to go get bullpen arms in the off season and Shaw was one that was like, man, that'd be really great if we nailed, uh, were able to sign him. And the thing about the Rockies is sliders are actually part of what has been the key to their success, especially this pitching staff. You know, they found that curveballs and changeups don't behave the same way in the thin air, fastballs and sliders pretty much do. Uh, so 
that's been the foundation of John Gray's success, especially as he's just got this filthy slider to follow up his big fastball. Um, so, you know, the fastball slider combo is actually, if you're worried about Brian Shaw not being able to measure up in course <laughs> field and, that hit, and his slider will somehow disappear, like, I think he'll be fine. Like, you know, there, there could be other reasons, but uh, I would put that low on the list of concerns. Actually, you made me think that uh, come July, when the Giants are 30 games behind every team, uh, things go really badly, which they're shaping up to be. You know, Johnny Cueto has a fastball slider combination, uh, and he's not that expensive. So, you know, <laughs> just putting that out there. No. <laughs> so what is Whoa. so then there's there's some trepidation there's but there's also there has to be a cautious optimism at the very least. So sort of I'm not trying to put you on the spot. You didn't we didn't ask for a win total last year, but I I guess let's say if it doesn't I don't even need to have your dream scenario. What do you think is the most rational if you're talking to a Rockies fan who's new to Purple Row and is like, I have nothing, you know, pretty new to Rockies fandom, like, just like, what should I have in my head going forward this season? Like, what would you tell someone? I think a reasonable expectation is uh, contention through September. But, uh, you know, it looks like the wild card race is pretty, pretty crowded again, especially since... Uh, the Giants have been so misfortunate as to lose some of those pitchers. Like, again, that's kind of what opened up the race last year for everyone. And it looks like what's happening again. Uh, but my, my fear is that, you know, the offense last year was, was pretty thin behind those big bats of Blackman, Arenado and DJ that you mentioned. And so unless those veterans are able to rebound a little bit, or unless we get some good, uh, contributions from the younger guys. I, I'm just afraid that the rest of the league, especially in the wild card pool, has kind of taken a step forward, and so it might just be a little bit too much for the Rockies to to handle. I, I still think that they're going to win more games than they're going to lose. Uh, I still think that you know if if a few things do break right, that they will be a playoff team again. But uh, but personally, like I'm. I'm, I'm I, again cautiously optimistic. It's it's going to be a lot of man. I love watching Nolan Arenado catch baseballs and throw baseballs and hit baseballs. Uh, I love watching John Gray make fools out of hitters. Uh, and you know, if they win more games than they lose, then then I'm going to be happy because meaningful baseball in September is what we haven't had a lot of in Denver recently. And so, if we can have just that, like that's I can be content with that, even if I would hope for more. Adam, where can people fo- uh, follow you on social media or tell you, thank you, you've you've changed my life with your Rockies previews? Uh, how can they find you? Yeah, well, obviously they would. So I'm yeah. you know, waiting for more and more. <laughs> the adulation. Congratulations yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter at PlayerTBNL. Uh, and so most of my tweeting ends up being concentrated in the baseball season. So if you were looking for me outside of the season, you uh, were not finding me. But that's that's where you can find me. Otherwise, you know, I'm one of the editors at Purple Row, so we'll be up there a lot. And, uh, yeah, just appreciate you guys having us on and uh, working with us. 
Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see how it all shakes out. Uh, have fun. Thanks again, Adam. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Okay, that was Adam Peterson of Purple Row, and we'll be right back. Joining us is Eric Steven from True Blue LA, the Dodgers SB Nation blog. And the Dodgers did not win the World Series, but they are probably going to go back to the World Series again this year, right, Eric? Wait, they didn't win last year? They did not. They haven't won in quite some time. I, uh, this is the first time I've heard of this. I don't know if that's true. I'm going to have to look it up. 1988, in fact. Hmm. That rings a bell. <laughs> Not really sure. How does it feel to, well, I guess I can, but as an objective, as objective as you can be, is there at least a part of you that acknowledges that it was a pretty wild World Series and, and it was interesting to be a part of? Or is it just oh, all yeah. bad? <laughs> No, no, it was that like, I mean, I think it would have been better if, if game seven was, wasn't such a clunker. Like, uh, and I think like either way, like, I guess if you're an Astros fan, game seven was pretty cool. But like, just in general, the whole series was pretty great back and forth. And then, then it just kind of ended on a, a game that was kind of over by, by the second inning. So yeah, that was kind of a letdown, but I don't know. It was, it was a, it was an awesome world series. Okay. The Dodgers just happened to be on the, the, the bad end of like the two like classic games of the world series. So that didn't help them at all. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, looking back like that, that was, that was a, a very classic world series. Like, um, so it, it was, it's hard to appreciate like in the moment, but, like, you know, probably in five years or probably longer or maybe shorter. I don't know. Like, we'll look back and go, oh, yeah, I, I remember that. That was, a, that was a pretty sweet, like, run or whatever it was. Especially if the Dodgers somehow managed to win a World Series in the next couple of years, right? Then the kind of recontextualizes this last one, too. Yeah, um, I think so. Like, there, if you look, like, I, um, I, when I grew up, like, 88 was my team. I was 12. Um but, you know, uh, some of my friends who are just a little bit older who were really into the 81 team and they were into the 70s teams, like, they really loved that 81 uh, World Series win because the Dodgers got to the World Series three times in the 70s but didn't couldn't get over the hump. And, like, they, they, it was mostly the same crew who won in 81. So, like, that was a huge deal for them. So I think it's kind of the same thing. Like, if, if they were to somehow win it in the next year or two, um, it would kind of validate, you know, the the recent run they've been on, even though they haven't won one yet. Justin Turner is uh, nursing a, a, a wrist fracture that's not going to require surgery, which is incredibly lucky. But what's I don't like him because he's really good and he stands on the plate. <laughs> but I yes. obviously am not happy that he. I don't like when the good players get hurt because then it's no fun. But uh, what's sort of what's the conversation about his return? Yeah, it's it's super weird. Like the, I don't know. The Dodgers have gone into this weird thing where they they like don't they don't. I think the word timetable might be banned from the, the organization somehow. So they don't like to if they don't like to pinpoint things because you know if you say a guy's coming back in six weeks and it takes like seven weeks, then you have to answer questions why he's taking so long or whatever. So they just be, they try to be as vague as possible uh, with this. But I it looks like you know. Even the history like Freddie Freeman last year, I think Trey Turner as well. We're talking like mid-May, probably at the earliest for Justin Turner, even though he doesn't have to have surgery. So I don't know. It seems like uh, it's going to be a little while, um, but and they're generally pretty cautious on injuries in terms of like 
like we're playing for the, the long haul. We our season seven months long, not six, that kind of a thing. So they'll probably be cautious with him. But I, so I wouldn't expect him before like mid-May. That, that's sort of what they're looking at. Plenty of time for the Dodgers to unearth the next Chris Taylor. Right. <laughs> That's right. So what was funny today is um, one of the, the Dodgers kind of low-level minor leaguers. Um, not, I mean, uh, low low prospect level is Ariel Sandoval, just a kind of a nondescript outfielder. I, I'm not, I don't mean to, like, denigrate him or anything, but he, he got traded to the Mariners. And, like, I, I have no, like, um, information on the deal whatsoever. But, um, and, like, I got a couple replies because I retweeted some Mariners um, account that had a picture of him in a Mariners uniform, and everyone's going, like, Oh, so what do we get? The next Chris Taylor? Like everyone, everyone kind of assumes that now. Which is, I have to be honest; it's kind of a weird position to be in because for for a good number of years, that was like the Cardinals thing. Like they could just, you know, um, you know, find someone at a gas station, and then they would hit like twenty home runs for them, and it was it was super weird. They had a, a crazy good system, so I think the Dodgers are kind of in that position now. But you know, we'll see how long it lasts. Well, what you're suggesting is, is that the Dodgers got better at finding the right gas station. Well, I mean, That's... the key the key here is, ne- you know, never pay for diesel. <laughs> That's good advice. Yeah. Um, one thing I, w- I want to get it out of the way right now. How are the Dodgers going? The Dodgers and Giants play each other 10 times in the first 33 days of the season. Yeah. Which is insane. Uh, yeah. Right? I'm not it alone seems like this. a lot. Yeah, I'm not alone here, right? <laughs> no. I mean, I love the rivalry as much as anyone. I, I love those games. Are, look, we've seen it even when like, when the Giants were winning the World Series and the Dodgers were almost getting good. Like, or, and then when the Dodgers were really good and the Giants weren't. Those games are always close. Like, they're, It seems like it's a one-run game in the seventh inning no matter what. Um, but, yeah, that said, like – 10 times in the first month or whatever it's like all right enough already i can't i don't want to watch three brand new avengers movies in the span of of five (laughs) weeks that's uh, that's nuts so uh go ahead sammy and and those games always tend to be the weirdest or they go like extra innings the most like tense intense games so an entire month of those like of having 10 of those is a little too much a little too much stress in one month yeah, there, there's not enough Pepto-Bismol in the, in the world to, like, go through this. It's, I think, that, I mean, that's kind of what the World Series was last year. If you're thinking about, it, like, this, those games, especially Game 2 and Game 5, they were, like, you know, your stomach's, like, in knots just watching it. Like, even, like, uh, like if you have no rooting interest, those games were crazy. Like, I don't know how, how someone would get through that. Like, I, I don't know how people manage. Like, Honestly, how do you not just collapse and, and die at the end of those games? It's, it's crazy. The only way I was able to get through the games was the fact that, you know, they weren't. neither team was the Giants. That was sure. the only way. I, but, yeah, otherwise I'm feeling it. When, uh, when the Giants won in 2014, by the end of that game, all I felt was <laughs> like a, a headache, a dull pain. And I really <laughs> felt like... All of the playoff, I sound like such an asshole right now. I'm sorry. Like all of the playoff runs, like it was just a cumulative stress. I'm like, just, just win the game. Just like there was no excitement. It's just like, just do it, please. I, I don't want to feel this way anymore. And like uh, almost a huge sigh of relief or yes. whatever that the season's over, rather that's than exactly. like yeah, it's 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 crazy how sports could do that to you. But, and yeah. the Giants have been exhaling now for the last three years which is fine <laughs> right. but uh so but enough about that uh some change up some change up on the on the dodgers but 
you know, they're going to run away with the division. They're going to win 99-100 games like they always do. Clayton Kershaw is going to have a back injury for six weeks, and they're not going to miss a beat. And, you know, they're going to have nine starters in the mix. They're gonna, am I saying anything that's not expected? Because this is, seems like the pattern every year now. Who, Regardless of the manager at this point, which is kind of crazy because Dave Roberts is an improvement. So my point is twofold, Eric. Yeah. Dodgers are better with Dave Roberts, but they also are just going to keep being good. So what is to you the excitement or surprise? <laughs> well, so I guess this year, like, well, this year is a little bit weird because uh, I don't know, the, the Yankees are doing it too. And I know the Giants are like up against the luxury tax, but the Dodgers like decided we have to get under the luxury tax after paying like, uh, you know, uh, $150 million in tax alone the last five years. And, so they're going to stay under this year with the idea, in theory at least, that they're going to you know spend a bunch again next year. Although they, who knows if they will? I mean, this could all just be a ruse. Like, haha, we were we wanted to save money. Like, jokes on you. But like, um, so it's a little weird because they're kind of playing on the margins. Like, they could have signed you Darvish um, if they wanted to, but they're like, well, we're up against the cap. We really can't fit him in. It's like so um, they don't have like the the crazy sort of high-end type of depth that they had, at least starting pitching-wise, that they've had the last couple of years. But that said, like, I, I'm still pretty high on, like, Walker Bueller. Um, and I don't think Julio Urias is going to do much this year because he had pretty major sh- shoulder surgery. I think long-term he's going to be fine, but this year expecting much out of him is weird. But I think Walker Bueller is enough for now to, like, sort of um, win inevitably. Like, Hyunjin Ryu is going to take, like, you know, uh, three. he's going to miss three starts with some malady in May or something. They're going to have to bring someone up, and I think Bueller's going to be that guy who's going to be really good. Um, so Hold I, I'm on, sort of Eric. Excited. Walker, yes. Walker Bueller is not a college humor character? No. It, it's, it's not a funny or die sketch? It's a real no. – it's not Walker, Texas Ranger in like, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? That's not that? You, you would expect him to have, like, a cowboy hat with, like, a, um, a sheriff's badge on as he walks into the game. like. But, no, and, and plus his uh, – I, I don't know if he changed this eventually, but I think his Twitter handle, handle is still Bueller's Day Off, which I think he started at Vanderbilt. Uh, because um, everyone would always give him crap about it, um, you know, about the movie, which he, like, never saw until he, I think he was in high school or something. Um, so that was kind of funny. So he has a, like, decent sense of humor about it, but, like, I don't know, it's kind of funny. So when he gets traded to the Rangers, he'll change the brand to the other thing. He'll, oh, he'll he change the names. Yeah. You have to absolutely. I mean, how could you not at that point? <laughs> oh, well, that's exciting. I mean, I don't think it's that much of a surprise that the Dodgers – still have depth in their minor league system. It is all, no matter what, how much money they're spending is, wasn't that sort of the thing during, uh, if not the Malone years as the GM, sort of uh, the McCourt years of ownership was, they're they're gutting the Dodgers famous farm system that always produces something. They always seem to get something out of there regardless of up or down. So again, just feels like more of the same. Am I wrong on that reputation? Or... No, no, yeah. <laughs> Under McCourt, like the, that was one of the, a lot. Of, one of the things they cut cut was like just basically like any spending, like no, no, like international spending. Um, they were cheaping out on the draft after like a couple really good drafts by Logan White. 
that brought like you know Matt Kemp and Russell Martin and James Loney and all those guys uh, and and like Chad Billingsley and this was like before Kershaw but um, yeah um, you know McCourt really stopped spending so it really uh, it was gonna it set them up badly like for a long term position so when the new ownership group came in they had to like both improve the major league team but also like build up the system which they've done an amazing job of all that. they've kind of just done it by just writing checks right and left and spending a ton of money so it, like i said it's not i don't want to begrudge them for like look we're staying under the luxury tax this year because i think they've earned the benefit of the doubt over the, like the last five years in terms of what they've poured into the team but um yeah it's just like uh it's certainly a 180 from where they were like under McCourt, which is, um, you know, they were, they were literally in bankruptcy. It was crazy. So this, I uh, you know, it's hard to, if you're a Dodger fan, I know the, the world series, uh, win isn't there, but they're, they're certainly trending in the right direction and set up for a pretty good run here, I think. So I think you'd, you'd be hard pressed to find someone who's truly like objectively looks at it and says, let's ownership's not good. So I guess one, my last question has, has to do with, uh, sort of the Bellingers of the team and how they're going to do in, in their sophomore seasons or just their subsequent seasons. I, uh, you know, I think Saker, it's actually, Seeker, it's actually his third season, right? Uh, but it's, is there any, not necessarily concern or is it just an expectation from you on your site or maybe from what the Dodgers have been saying? Like, we definitely expect him to be a good player or these younger guys to be good players and have we're expecting a negative regression of some sort to the mean or they're like no this is who they are i'm just gonna hit 40 home runs a year Uh, i'll flip it a little bit in that uh, so i could sound like the asshole for a second and be like look the dodgers are probably not going to have a unanimous rookie of the year this year which breaks a (laughs) two-year streak so what the hell are we supposed to do now like no i don't know uh I, I think, yeah, like there, you know, if you saw Bellinger in the World Series, he struck out like, I think, 137 times. I forgot the exact total. Oh, that's right. You nailed it. Yeah. That was right. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Like, everyone was kind of panicking over that. Like, well, they found a hole, so he's clearly never going to hit again. Like, I don't know. And that seemed kind of funny to me, but he's going to be fine. He showed a lot of Bellinger, I'm talking about. He showed a lot of adjustments last year where there were pockets where he went into slumps, but they didn't last terribly long. And he always made some sort of adjustments and he's oh, he hit left handers well. So I'm not really worried about him. I'm not, the only thing I'm worried about like Seager is he is, he had an elbow thing last year that they didn't uh, do surgery on. They just did like an off season, like treatment of rest. And they were really slow with him in spring training. He barely played shortstop until the last couple weeks of spring. So if that's something that's going to linger, that could be a problem. Um, but, uh, you know, he's had such two really good seasons. So uh, I think he gets the benefit of the doubt, at least to start. So those are the, like, that's the thing I worry about for him. But, yeah, I think those two guys are, like, the anchors of the lineup. And then, you know, Justin Turner, broken wrists aside, uh, one of the better, like, just overall players in the league. And so you got those three. If there's a regression guy, it's probably like Chris Taylor because he played a little bit over his head. But that said, what? he has a no. He had, no. He, he had, like what? Well, yeah, he came out of nowhere. Like he started last year as a utility infielder, and now he's like the starting center fielder, and they prefer him in center field, like over the infield. So it's crazy. He never played outfield before, and then like, and not only that, he's like, he has like eight fifty OPS or whatever. 
I don't think he's going to keep that. But even if he's like a 750, 770 OPS guy, that's still really valuable, especially with his like defensive versatility and stuff. So uh, I don't know. I, I There's certainly regression, but at the same time, like they have enough of these guys who kind of fluctuate and they'll mix and match. And I guess, the I don't know. The, and then we haven't even talked about Matt Kemp, who is somehow back and somehow hasn't been traded away yet, and he's probably he's going to start on opening day. It's going to be super weird. Wait, and, that's uh, happening for sure? He's starting? I mean, they, they, they haven't officially announced anything, but Ty Block's a left-hander. Um, I think even against a lot of right-handers, Matt Kemp's going to start at least to start the year. But, uh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to be in like, – he's going he's gonna to bat no lower than fifth. Um, so both, bat, are, both our yeah. teams are, are playing in a weird time warp then. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. So you, you have what, Longoria, McCutcheon, right. Camp. It's like, I, I know the, I, I have to say, like, from afar, like, I actually like both of those guys, and I, I think the Giants did fine by, like, adding them. And I know the joke was the 2013 All-Stars and all that, but for me, like, they, they represent upgrades over what you guys had last year. So, like, they're, they're, they're just fine for me, like, in terms of uh, hey, what that the Giants Chris, are. That Chris Taylor 755 OPS possibility <laughs> would like lead the be second on the team last year so, <laughs> right, exactly. uh sammy do you have any questions yeah well i, I guess you kind of answered one of them because i was gonna ask um who's gonna be the rookie terror this year but you said it doesn't sound like you guys are gonna have one because it seems I, like every every season you guys have had one for like the last three or four years i guess it could be bueller like if he gets up early enough and makes like 20 starts or something he, he could be good i don't i don't know if he'll win like um, be good enough to win like rookie of the year because it seems like uh, it, once the Braves like uh, get that one day past whatever the date is that they have to to save Ronald Acuna's like service time or whatever like he seems like a pretty uh, pretty good lock for one of the like best sort of rookies we've seen in a while so uh, he could be the favorite but I think like yeah Walker Bueller is probably the guy but yeah I don't think there's going to be like a standout uh, rookie for them. And then um, I wanted, because, you know, the Bay Area, we've got the Warriors, so I kind of wanted to get a little update on Trace Thompson. Yes. Um, so I think, um, so we're recording this on Monday. We probably won't find this out till after Tuesday's game. But so Trace Thompson's out of options. Um, I think the Turner's, Justin Turner's injury helped him a little bit in that um, the, the, the roster is down to, like, couple decisions one is the left-handed left fielder it's like uh, jock peterson or andrew tolls i think andrew tolls should win the job I, and, but i think jock peterson is going to win it um and they'll send andrew tolls down and then the other spot is like the last bench spot and that's between trace thompson and kyle farmer farmer will be a third catcher but he also plays a little bit of third but he's right-handed so is trace um, I think just because Trace is at options, he'll probably get the call at least to start the year. But um, he has a lot to kind of overcome. From he was really bad last year, and he he was coming back off a back injury, and he he was pretty good the year before. So I think they're going to give him a little bit of rope. But um, I think he's going to make the team. But um, honestly, nothing would surprise me at this point. All right, what's your prediction? Best case scenario, you can give us a record, or what do you think? If everything uh, breaks right, what's going to happen? If things go wrong, what's the worst that could happen? Well, like, yeah, like they won 104 games last year. So that 
that seems like an upper limit to me. Um, I had 106 this year. We got it. I'm thinking so. Yeah, 127 (laughs) plays. No, uh, no. I think like I just looked at. I think like they're really good, and the the depth's not there. So I I get a little worried because of that. But I still think they're like a 96 win team. So I'll go 96 um, and win the division again. So conservative, man. <laughs> right. Who knows, right? Yeah, conservative 96 wins. They'll only be the best team in their division and win close to 100 games. My goodness. Uh-huh. Uh, Eric Steven, how can people follow you and, and be jealous of the Dodgers uh, through their fans on social media? Yeah, so uh, it's just pretty much true blue LA everywhere. Um, Twitter is where I'm most active, so that's probably the best way to uh, find me, and then also truebluela.com. Thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck. Yeah, it was my pleasure, and I just want to say it's it's really nice to see McCovey Chronicles finally under competent leadership. I really <laughs> enjoy it. Thank you very much. <laughs> sure. Love you, Grant. <laughs> Folks, we've got a new sponsor this week. Uh, let me ask you this. When you're walking through the hippest neighborhood in your city, do you feel your denim jeans could be tighter? Have you ever wanted a slimmer fit? maybe even the slimmest fit possible, then you must try a pair of Tim Kirk jeans, the first and only denim jeans made by the diminutive national baseball writer, Tim Kirkjian. Only the slimmest and smallest national baseball writer is qualified to design and distribute the world's slimmest and smallest fit denim jean. Tim Kirk jeans are made with only the finest materials and come from a factory inside what used to be the Grantland offices. Use offer code SUCKITSIMMONS at checkout to get 20% off on your first order of Tim Kirk jeans. We promise it won't be your last order either. The next time you think of baseball, think of Tim Kirkjian. And then think of Tim Kirkjian's denim jeans company that he started because of a drunken dare. And then think of Tim Kirk jeans, the only too tight denim jeans you'll ever want to wear in Brooklyn or anywhere. I don't know why it goes hard on Bill Simmons. That's weird. <laughs> anyway, so that's our new sponsor this week. Uh, enter that promo code and you can get a good deal. I haven't tried them out yet, and uh, but I'm sure they're tight. Uh, whew, that was a big, big coverage of all those teams. <laughs> uh, we'll be back after the first uh, run of games, after the Giants play the Dodgers for the second time uh, in, the, in, the, in the week. Uh, Sammy, Doug, was there any? What did you guys learn this week? That uh, we're all doomed, no matter what we do and no matter what plans we make. Optimism is futile. Hmm. Well, those are lessons I've all, always known. So I would say that the that what I learned is this show's much better when you're both here. So <laughs> that's <laughs> so. Thank you, and thank you for listening and uh, going to the site. And thank you to our guests. Let's get it started. Thank you to Adam Peterson of Purple Row. Thank you to Jen Mac Ramos of The Internet. Thank you to uh, Roy Thomason of Gaslamp Ball. And thank you to Eric Steven of True Blue LA for those previews. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>